Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Thank you, Lord. Give them a hand. That was awesome. Yeah, the teens, you are dismissed. Good morning. Good morning. That was so awesome. I love that we're doing that, and we're going to continue to do that. So, yeah, God is so good. Yeah, and I have a word uh, I'm going to release later that goes with your word, Tracy. Yeah, so we're tracking. Awesome. Well, I wanted to just say uh, we had a a great turnout uh, this Friday night. Um, and I wanted to say thank you uh, to all who came out and helped painting, uh, move furniture, and putting everything in place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I wanted to say an extra special thanks to uh, Brad and Brianna. Where are you guys? There you are, Brad and Brianna. They have been here pretty much nonstop for the last two weeks, and so they've just lived here. I think at night you just threw down a cot, just went to sleep, and I did catch Brad sleeping one time. <laughs> And yeah, thank you so much uh, for all your efforts and, and gifting time and talents. And I want to say thank you to Becky. Where's Becky? Becky Noy. Becky um, just poured her decorating talents in and just worked so hard putting everything together. And also Kayla. Where's Kayla? Kayla Trask. Where is she? Oh, and the kids. Kayla. You have to watch us on live stream. We love you. She put a ton of time and energy uh, to make this special for our kids. A lot of special touches. And also Anthony Savage. Where's Anthony? Anthony, right here. Anthony's been here like pretty much every day too. And thank you so much, Anthony, just for working so hard. So anyway, I just really appreciate uh, all the hard work and everybody who came out on Friday night. And uh, we're excited just uh, what God is doing in our church. So I have, I have a few funny things for you. Hopefully they're funny. I'm in faith. They're funny. And, uh, and so I'm just going to, let's just warm it up a little bit though. Just ha ha, ha 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 ha. You need to just get good at just warming it up throughout the week. You get bad news, just ha ha ha. <laughs> I had to do that this morning. I just checked the email. I was like, ha, 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 ha. And it, and it works. You can just shift your own atmosphere just by just laughing. Okay. Whoever wrote easy like Sunday morning obviously never had to get kids ready for church in the morning. <laughs> uh, especially when you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I might be speaking from experience. All right, King James Version. King James Version. I will never leave you or forsake you. The Message Bible. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. The Passion Translation. Tell me how am I supposed to live without you? Yeah. Yeah, I love the Passion. Yeah. All right, I got another one. Is, is Jason here today? I don't know if he's here. Jason, are you here? Uh, th- I got this from Kelly. Uh, didn't, go to the, didn't go to the gym today, but the cashier's name at McDonald's was Jim, so same thing. <laughs> and I got one more. I tried donating blood today. Never again. Too many stupid questions. Whose blood is this? Where did you get it from? Why is it in a bucket? <laughs> You try to donate blood, and you get all these dumb questions. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for uh, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We just thank you, God, that you are pleased. You're in a good mood today, that you're with us. You are for us. We thank you, God, that, um, God, you just want to just uh, break any hopelessness that we have in our lives today. And God, I just pray that your anointing is upon this word today. God, I just, I don't trust in my ability to speak, but in the anointing that you've put on my life. And I just pray that your anointing would just rush out into this place today and that lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I do have a corporate word that I want to release that goes with Tracy's word. Um, I asked the Lord this week if he had uh, a corporate word that goes with this message, and this is what I believe he spoke. So I believe that God is causing hope to arise in our hearts, and he is teaching us how to anchor our hope in him. I believe he's breaking hopelessness. So let me say that again. He's causing hope to arise. And he's teaching us how to anchor our hope in him. So today, I feel like we're supposed to talk about hope. It's just been on my heart this week. So I want to talk about what is hope? What is hope? I think it's, it's really important uh, to define hope because I, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea about what hope is. So it's important that we have a really great definition about what hope is. I got a Lego here. Anybody want a Lego? I'll sit there right there. So here's a definition of hope, and I believe this is God's definition of hope. This is so key for today, just understanding what hope is and, and having hope with this definition. Hope is believing that my future will be better than today, and that I have the power to make it so. Believing that my future will be better than it is today, and that I have the power to make it so. If you're a note taker, write that down. And if you're not, write it down. I'm just kidding. I wanna tell you a story that illustrates what hope is. Um, there's a man, his, he's a professor at the Oklahoma City University. His name is Chan Hellman. He's a hope researcher. That'd be a good job. He's a hope researcher and a scientist, and he tells this story. And he says this story changed his life and changed the way that he understands hope. He was interviewing this young man that was about 19 years old. And the young man just told him that he had just been diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. And then the young man told him that he's been homeless for several weeks. And so he was listening to, you know, probably the next thing was going to be how anxious he was about all these things and about how much hopelessness he had. That's what he expected next. Instead, um, the young man shifted the conversation and he said, I just enrolled in college and I've met with a guidance counselor and I have my four-year plan and these are the classes I'm going to be taking and this is what I'm going to be doing after college. So he shifted the conversation, and actually David, this young man's name was David, David had real hope because David believed that his future would be better than his present and that he had the power to make it so. So the enemy wants you focused on your problem, but God wants you to have hope and focus on the future that he has for you. So hope is not just wishful thinking. If you take that hope definition... I believe that my future will be better than today. If you stop right there, it can sound like a wish. Like, why well, wish, I hope, 
But when you take that last part, and that I have the power to make it so. So a wish is I hope things will get better. Hope is I believe things will get better and that I have the power to make it so. Hope is active. Jesus is our living hope. Hope is active. Just like faith, hope is active. Hope can be an unstoppable force in your life. And this is key. We activate hope by focusing on the solution and not the problem. This is how you activate hope. Focusing on the solution and not the problem. When you focus on the problem, you're actually engaging or activating hopelessness. But when we focus on the solution and not the problem, we activate hope in our life. And this is so powerful. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, say when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. It's so important to live a life of hope. So you can see in that verse, it says hope deferred. So not having hope, putting off hope, it'll actually make you, you sick, your heart sick. But when desire comes, that, that's that second part of that definition. And I have the power. My future is going to be better. And I have the power to make it so that desire comes. Desire kicks in. Here's some lies against living a life of hopelessness. And you'll hear these in our world a lot. Sometimes you may hear it as your own thoughts. If I never hope for anything, I won't be disappointed. Ha ha ha. We can just laugh at these as we go. If I never hope for anything, I won't be disappointed. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. You might hear that, those, these thoughts sometimes and you just ha ha ha. Well, we can't all have our head in the clouds all the time. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Things will never change, so why even try? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Give it a triple on that. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Sometimes that's more power if you go up. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thank you. So Professor Chan Hellman, he's a director at the Hope Research Center at, at the University of Oklahoma. So his job is to study hope. And he says this, in over 2,000 published studies, tell us that hope is one of the single best predictors of well-being across the lifespan. Hope is one of the single best predictors of well-being across the lifespan. And he says this, here's some findings in studying hope. Those that have increased hope in their life, like they do experiments with people and they give them increased hope, they experience improvements in physical health, they experience improvements in psychological well-being, and improvements in social well-being. For, children's, uh, for children, they have improved attendance, improved grade point average, improved graduation rates. 
So God wants us to step into new levels of hope, and I feel like this is the prophetic word, is that he's teaching us how to step into greater levels of hope, and not to just have hope as a wish, like, well, I hope someday, but actually an active hope in our life, and he's causing us to step into new levels of hope today. So God is causing hope to arise in our heart, and he's teaching us how to anchor our hope in him. God wants our hope anchored in him. So we can actually expect our future to be better because God loves us. God is for us. And when we step into hope, we're actually partnering with him. How many know God is full of hope? God's thoughts are just, he's full of hope. So when we actually step into him, we're partnering. We're taking on the mind of Christ. We're thinking like him. Hebrews 6.19 says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I love that verse. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope is what anchors the soul. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So if you're struggling with, with emotionally struggling, or you're struggling just in your thoughts, my prescription for you this morning is radical hope. Radical hope is what anchors the soul. First Peter 1.3 says this, celebrate with praises the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy for his fountain of mercy has given us new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So in Christ, we have a living hope. It's alive. It's a living hope. It's an energetic hope because of Jesus, what he did, his resurrection. So Jesus wants us to step into radical hope with him. God wants you to dream again. God wants you to step into radical hope in, your, in the different areas of your life. Radical hope for our nation. Radical hope for your marriage. Radical hope for your families. Radical hope for your children. Radical hope for your, your, the business area that you're in. Radical hope. This is actually God's mind. The enemy is going to tell you, don't get your hopes up. But God is want, wanting you to step into this place of radical hope. Believing for more than enough. Believing that he's going to meet you in all those areas of struggle, of difficulty. God is calling you to step into radical hope. Out of hopelessness, he wants to break the back of hopelessness in your life. And he wants to take you into radical hope. Radical hope. God wants you to dream again. Romans 5.5 5 says this, hope does not disappoint Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This thought is, is counterculture. God is actually telling us, get your hopes up. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within your hearts. We'll hear things in our culture like, don't get your hopes up. Don't get too excited. You don't want to be disappointed. But God's saying, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Start to dream with God. Dreaming with God, especially even according to that research, 
that uh, Dr. Chan Hellman has done, just dreaming, just the act of hope actually makes you healthier. Actually just makes you just, your soul settles when you actually just activate hope in your life. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Just the, just the act of hope is powerful. Dare to hope. Dare to dream again. So I want to talk about how do we cultivate hope in our life. Here's the good news, and this is what uh, Professor Chan Hellman says. He says, hope is something we can learn. See, if it's just a wish, it's like, it's not something you really teach. It's like, but hope is something we can actually learn and we can cultivate in our life. So I want to talk about some things that you can do to cultivate hope in your life. Number one is desire. Desire. I believe the enemy wars against desire. Don't dream. You'll just be disappointed. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is the tree of life. Desire itself produces life. Or you could say hope itself, hope and desire are tied together, produces life. Professor Chan Hellman says this, the more we desire the outcome, the more we're willing to face adversity to try to overcome it. So the enemy wars against desire because he knows that when, when we actually desire, we're actually activating hope. We're actually activating, and, and we know as Christians that when we desire, when we hope, we're actually partnering with the God of hope. He's like, now you're thinking like I think. You're seeing from a hope perspective, not a hopelessness perspective. So how do you grow in your life? How do you start to grow in the different areas that maybe you're struggling in or that things don't look good in? How do you grow in those areas? Start to desire. Start to desire something better than what you currently have in those areas. This is, this is one of the ways that we cultivate hope, desire. That's why the enemy is warring against desire. Desire something better. What do you desire for your future? Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What is your desire for your marriage? What is your desire for your finances? What is your desire for your future? What is your desire for your relationships? This is what you need to activate to start cultivating hope, desire. Even come out of the survival mentality and just say, well, what actually do I really want? What do I desire? I wanted to share this story. There was a lady um, who, uh, she worked inside the federal building in Oklahoma City that was bombed in April 1995. You guys remember that? It was a huge deal when it happened in 1995. This bomb went off, bombed this large building, killed so many people. She was in the building when it happened on the third floor. She said she was talking with her coworker and she heard this massive noise and all of a sudden she was in the first floor. She was on the third floor to begin with. All of a sudden she knew she was on the first floor 
And she said, this woman was screaming so loudly in my ear. And she said, it took me a few seconds to realize it was my screaming. She said, I didn't even recognize my own voice. She said, I was covered in rubble. And it took them eight hours to get her out. And she said, I just prayed the whole time. I just, I just, like she said, my whole life just like started going before my eyes. Like, man, all the things I wish that I had done, like regrets that I had, not knowing if I'm going to make it. it. Took them eight hours. Finally, they, they got her out of the rubble. So she was, <clears throat> she was in the hospital for eight days after this. And when she finally was released for the hospital, she, she found out obviously, during this time that half of her coworkers had died in the bombing. So this, she worked for a credit union, and they, the credit union, they all got back together after a couple of weeks after this happened, and they said, what do we want to do? Do we want to just end the business? Do we want to just kind of leave, walk away from all of this and, and go do something else? And they unanimously decided the best way to honor the people that died, all their coworkers, was to keep going. So they decided the best way that we can honor them is this credit union, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep building it. And so what they did was, through daily goals and vision and dreaming, they actually built that credit union that went way past where it ever had been. These, this small group of people. And it was just from these daily goals that they would set and just say, what do we desire? What do we want for the future? How do, how do we, and it was, had this motivation of wanting to honor all these people. How can, how can we grow? What's our desire for this company? And they would every day just figure out, this is what we want to do. This is our desire. This is how we want to improve. This is how we want to get better. And just through, she said, just daily goal setting, desire, and going after it, believing that it's possible, she said the company exploded in just a few years. So she said it was such an impactful thing in her life that she started applying that to everything in her life. She said at the time I was 350 pounds, and she's like, I started to desire something different. This is where hope starts, desire. She said, she said I'm just going to apply this same thing to my life, desire. So she said, I started to desire something different. Long story short, she ended up uh, running marathons. She ended up doing an Ironman. She finished an Ironman. And she lost tons of weight. And then she's like, wow, that worked. That desire thing, that just applying this to my life, that worked for my, for my health. She's like, what else can I apply this to? She's like, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed that I never finished college. So she, she had this desire, I want to go back to college. So she goes back to college, she gets her, her degree, she actually ends up leaving the, the credit union and she's the CEO of another company. And so the point is, desire. This one event that happened in, in her life where her uh, company just said, How do, what do we want to do? What do we want to do? Do we want to keep going? Or do we want to just end it here? And they all said, no, we want to honor the people that died. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to desire for this company to keep going and for it to grow. Desire, hope, that one experience changed everything in her life. So the first, thing, so the first way that we cultivate hope is through desire. It's so important to have vision, desire, vision for each area of your life. Sit down with your children. Ask them what their desire is for their future. Start to teach, teach them to start dreaming. Teach them to start thinking, like, what do you want? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, 
Teach them to activate their brain to think like, I, what, I don't know, what, what do I want to do? Sit down with your spouse. What's your goal for your marriage? What's your desire for your marriage? Where do you want to go? What's your goal for your physical health? Hope, you activate hope through desire. So you need to activate desire in your life. Figure out what your desires are. So the first, the first way we activate hope is through desire. The second way that we cultivate hope is we need to leave the survival mindset. So the survival mindset and the hope mindset are actually opposite of one another. The survival mindset says, how am I going to survive in my marriage? The hope mindset says, I believe that my marriage is going to get better and I have the power to make it so. Their survival mindset says, how do I survive in today's political climate? The hope mindset says, I believe the future of our country is going to be better and today than it is today, and I have the power to help make it so. Their survival mindset says, how can I survive or manage the pain that I'm in? The hope mindset, set, hope mindset is, I believe that my future is going to be better than it is today, and I have the power to make it so. Your brain is an extremely powerful problem solver. And when you go into a survival mindset, you shut down your brain. Because if your brain doesn't think there's a solution, it won't look for one. When you go into a hope mindset, you activate your brain to find solutions. Your brain's powerful, and your brain's meant to be a servant to you. It makes a great servant, makes a terrible master. It makes a great servant. Activate your brain through desire, through hope. When you just start to desire, when you just start to believe that you can get something better, when you believe that God is with you, that you're going to be able to overcome, that there's, tomorrow is going to be better than it is today, and you have the power to make it so, you actually activate your brain to start finding solutions. So hope actually activates your brain to work on your behalf. The hope mindset sees things like God does because God's always filled with hope. Steve Backlund says, your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. So one of the best ways to leave a survival mindset is to enter into a hope mindset and to enter into a hope mindset is to sit down with God and ask him how he sees your situation. So this, if you find yourself stuck in a survival mindset, this is one of the be best ways, and we've all been there. We all f can find ourselves like feeling the hopelessness, feeling like this is never going to change. So one of the best ways to leave that and to step into a hope mindset is to sit down with God and just say, God, how do you see my situation? He's the God of hope. He's filled with hope about your situation. So if you hear anything other than, I'm filled with hope about your situation and this is what I feel about it, then that probably is not God. But when you sit down, ask him for his perspective of your situation and it'll help you leave the survival mindset and step back into the hope mindset.
Amen? In a survival mindset, we have lots of thoughts in our mind that are not in God's mind. Bill Johnson's famous for saying, I don't want to have a thought in my mind that's not in God's mind about me. I don't want to have a thought in my mind that's not in God's mind about my situation. I don't want to have a thought in my mind that's not in God's mind about you. So that's why we sit down and say, God, what's your thoughts? Especially when we're feeling that hopelessness. God, I am not thinking like you are right now. <laughs> hopelessness is evidence of that. Okay, God, I need, to, I need to start thinking like you think. What do you see my situation as? What do you see in my situation? Sit down and imagine with God. Imagination your imagination is so powerful, and imagination is the instrument of hope. This is what Dr. Chan Hellman says. He said, your imagination is an instrument of hope. Imagine a better future. Imagine God showing up in your life. Imagine God showing up in your marriage. So lastly, in order to cultivate hope, we need to lean into healthy community Lean into healthy community and relationships. Hope gets nurtured in healthy community. I love this story. I heard this story this week uh, about Bob Jones. Anybody know who Bob Jones is? He's a very well-known prophet. He's gone to heaven now. He's in a meeting. He's doing what Vince and Michael and Tracy was doing today. He was giving him prophetic words. He calls out this guy. This guy stands up. <clears throat> he goes, sir... Lord says, you're a worship leader. And she begins to prophesy over him about being a worship leader. So the pastor comes up to Bob Jones later and he goes, you should not have given that word to that man. That man just confessed to me that he's been uh, cheating on his wife. And Bob, <laughs> Bob Jones says to him, well, he already knew he was cheating on his wife. What he didn't know is that he was a worship leader. Healthy community will call out the gold in you. Don't call out where someone's at right now and call it a prophetic word. God calls out the gold. He calls out where you're not yet made it to yet. Why? To give you hope to help you get there. This is why the prophetic is so powerful because the prophetic calls out what God sees when he looks at you and it'll empower you with hope. So the prophetic is for edification, exhortation, and encouragement. So if you get a word and it doesn't edify, it's not in those categories, it's probably not from the Lord. A prophetic word is for the pur purpose of edification, exhortation, and encouragement. And when the word of the Lord comes, it will empower you with hope. I'm not saying it won't surprise you. Sometimes it might be like, really? I've had a few like that, and then they turned out to be right. I'm like, that, okay. that's okay. That's a little surprising. But they were just, they weren't discouraging words. They were just not something I expected. 
One more story. I'm going to take a drink. This is from uh, Professor Chan Hellman again. By the way, he's got a great <clears throat> uh, YouTube video about hope. He did a TED Talk about hope, and I got a lot of the information from this. And then I, I just found it so fascinating, I started studying some of the other things he's wrote and stuff. He is a Christian man, by the way. He talks about the turning point in his life. He said when he was in high school... He said he was really struggling. He had tons of despair, and he had contemplated suicide often, and he finally got to the place to where he actually uh, decided he was going to commit suicide, and he picked a date. He said, okay, on this date, I'm, I'm going to commit suicide. And he was, in a, he was in a gym class, and I, I know we have a lot of teachers here, Teachers are so important, amen? They're so important. He was in a gym class, and he already had decided, I'm killing myself on this date. And he wasn't participating. He's sitting on the sidelines. And he said his gym teacher just came over next to him. Just sat next to him. He said he just leaned into him. Didn't say anything. Just leaned into him. For like 10 minutes, no words. And he said, I could tell what he was saying is, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. And he said, after 10 minutes, he got up and said, Chan, you're going to be okay. And he walked away. He said, that one moment changed my whole life. I just needed hope. I needed that one encouragement to give me hope. I just needed one person to say, you're not alone. I see you, and you're going to be okay. He said, I didn't take my life because of that moment. It's really neat. He's got a, a video about this, and he's got pictures of him now. Like now, he's probably in his 50s with this teacher. His teacher's still around. How do we cultivate hope? We cultivate it in healthy community and healthy relationships. It gets cultivated in a healthy community. Sometimes one of the best things that you can do is just sit next to someone, say, I'm here with you. Not try to fix them, not try to have the answer. We don't have to fix people. We don't always have the answer. The best thing you can do sometimes is sit with someone and say, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to, I don't know what the answer is. But I'm here. I'm here with you. That's one of the, one of the hardest things that we have to do as pastors is sit with people who have lost loved ones. And it, it was a great lesson, you know, that I learned many years ago that the best thing you can do is just sit with them and cry with them. Because you don't have to have an answer. You don't, that doesn't even comfort them in that moment of trying to give them an answer. They just need to know you're not alone. I'm with you. I'm here. I'm here with you to weep with you. 
So hope gets cultivated in healthy community. This is why one of the reasons we do community is to help cultivate hope, to see the gold in each other, to call out the gold in each other, and to support one another. Amen? Okay, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just speak so powerfully to everyone here. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit a question. And you can do this just in your heart. God hears the thoughts of our heart. So just say this, Holy Spirit, what's one thing in my life that I need to have hope for? Now, one more question. Say, Father God, how do you see this situation? Okay. Raise your hand if you feel like God spoke something to you. Awesome. Yeah, God just gave you hope for that situation. So if you've been feeling and experiencing hopelessness around that situation, you need to take what God just told you, write it down, and watch your hopelessness shift into hope. Start to desire. Activate that desire in your life. God, what do you see? What's my vision for this problem? Amen. Amen.